Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, After Party Live, number eight. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Or something. Dun, dun. I am one of your hosts, Rick Sandage. I am joined by the esteemed Jessica Jenkins. Yes, and the esteemed. indomitable Heather Allen. You can I say I didn't know evil. where I was going with that. It's but... okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. The evil, the, uh, the machinations of Heather Allen. Indeed. So uh, welcome back, everyone. I hope that everyone is having a wonderful weekend. I know that we are. And uh, getting ready for the end of the year, the end of 2023. Um, another year, another year passed. Why are you shushing me? Because I feel old. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, we're all marching. We're all marching steadily through time. That is the one journey that we all engage. Well, that and find the path are the two journeys that we all engage in together. Okay, but the coolest thing about getting old is that the older you get, the less you have to care about stuff. Like, you I can mean, do whatever you want. Granted. <laughs> because you'll be old, and that's what's cool. That is true. Yeah, so as we're approaching the end of the year, um, it has been a full year now. Actually, I think I made a note of that recently. It's been a full year now since the end of Mummy's Mask, which was actually uh, December, or not December, November. I believe November 15th, I think, was the last episode post for Mummy's Mask. That's crazy. And it's been nearly a full year since we uh, we ended our discussion episodes, our after parties, our rumor mills uh, for Tyrant's Grasp, our postmortems. In that time, we have received a fair number of emails, a lot of questions from people, uh, oftentimes people that have just like, I've started off in, off in Mummy's Mask and I've still got 100 episodes to go, but I really wanted to ask this question. And of course, unaware that we are no longer uh, doing a discussion episode. And so we thought this would be a good time here at the end of the year. Um, to go back and, and look through all those emails. And that came with the realization. I was just discussing it with these two. So you guys are also kind of hearing it in real time. That came with the realization of, wow, we have A, a lot of amazing fans. And B, a lot of emails that if we're not knocking them out <laughs> on a monthly basis, really pile up. So um, we're going to try to get through as many of those as possible today. I know we discussed doing a... Uh, you know, these are things, these are fun nerd things that we would suggest buying for people. Maybe we can still throw in a few of those um, here towards the end. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more, a little bit more focused. Focused, yeah. On the email side of things. So I suppose we really should just kind of jump into that. Uh, we will be answering a lot of email questions and, and all the rest of that today. However, that does not mean that we are not going to encourage the uh, the chat to, of course, add some questions of their own. We'll get to a Q&A at the end of this. So if there's something you're interested in asking. Well, you got us live, so yep. feel free to do so. And in addition, uh, honestly, I think this would be a great time because there's only three of us today to uh, open it up to the chat. We get these emails in, we get these great questions, and we, of course, don't have all the answers as much as I wish I did. But uh, so if <laughs> you wanted to... Don't that. That's a secret. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm tearing down the illusion. But if you want to uh, also add in your own thoughts on any of the questions that we receive, those that aren't so specific that they can only be answered by us... Uh, feel free to do so, and we'll uh, we'll go through those as well. So, yeah, I guess without uh, further ado, let's get to our giant pile. Let me uh, let me pull up this giant email bag that I have over here, and uh, and get into all of these questions that we have here. 
Oh, man. It's the Santa uh, bag of yeah. questions. It's the giant Santa bag of questions. This would be way it, funnier if Rick was actually pulling these emails out of a bag. I thought you were going <laughs> to no, say it would be way funnier that. if I was dressed as Santa with the, like a hat and everything. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. I should have yes. committed to the bit. <laughs> Rachel probably has five or six Santa hats around the house. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she does love the holidays. All right, so I suppose let's go ahead and jump into things. So our first email here is from Isaiah from Surrey, British Columbia. British Columbia? No, BC, Canada. That's not British Columbia. That's... Yeah, isn't <laughs> is it? it? Maybe. I'm not positive. Uh-oh. We've been so immediately by geography. My knowledge of Canada. <laughs> my knowledge of Canada is so short. Yeah, it's British Columbia. You're right. Well, okay. I doubt myself sometimes. Well, it's we same, did have an American education on geography. So. It is true. Oh, boy. A Texas one, in fact. So. Uh, yeah. So Isaiah says, hello. Hello, oh, Isaiah. Hello. I have been following your adventure for about three years now. Wow. And it's sometimes it blows my mind that we've been doing this for over three years. <laughs> and it's been a that. very long and funny trail because when Jordan's making a joke and then Rick's roasting it to on your selling away on the barge to Narmer causing pure chaos and getting rules put on him. And I'm listening to all the podcasts that sadly aren't Tyrant's Grasp. Mm. Uh, Tyrant's Grasp is great, although uh, Tyrant's Grasp also comes with a certain degree of sadness to it as well. It's been a very fun ride with all of you. So I do have a question for Rick. Hello. When will we be expecting more Dark Moon Vell to come out? So I put this one at the top for a specific reason, uh, and that is because mm. I did announce recently that we are going to be doing Dark Moon Vell, and it is going to be coming out in December. Uh, it is December. Uh, the first new episode of Dark Moon Vell will be coming out on the 13th. So... Uh, from yeah, the surprise. time of the recording from of this, about 10 days. But in the time of the release of this, basically next week. You're welcome. So, yeah, yep. exciting. And how's that going to work exactly? Uh, so we are going to be putting those out on a biweekly basis. So every week that you are not getting a Hell's Rebels episode, you will be getting a Dark Moon Vell episode. So uh, basically, um, it will just hop back and forth, back and forth between those. You will notice an update on your Dark Moon Vell feed next week. Uh, which will be where we're putting all, sorry, Dark Moon Bell, uh, Hell's Rebels feed, where we're adding all the Dark Moon Bell episodes, the original uh, 10 episode run onto the Hell's Rebels feed next week. If you want to uh, to binge listen and get through all of that, you can. And uh, if you'd rather just uh, jump into the new stuff, if you've recently re-listened to uh, Dark Moon Bell, or if you've never listened to Dark Moon Bell to begin with, that'll be a great opportunity to go in and uh, Going back and checking some of that, I'm, I'm astounded the number. Actually, I'll, I'll give it to this way. I'm astounded the number of rules that we got right for a book that we had only in our hands for less than like a month uh, when we first <laughs> dove into second edition. We're there are also reading, a I number guess. of things we got wrong. but Of course. I still get stuff wrong. It's true. Isaiah also, I say that like it's just you. We all do, in fact, nah. get things wrong it's every once in a while. It's always my fault. <laughs> <laughs> some, sometimes I get things wrong and Jessica corrects me. So yeah. uh, it goes both ways. Isaiah also included uh, stating, I also have a couple of cats named Max and Felix and included pictures. And they are very oh, adorable cats. They're so cats. cute. Ah, oh, they're gingers. <laughs> very cute. They're we very like a kitty. cute. Yeah. Yeah. And I am partial to the gingers. So, you know, behind the screens, we we were trying to figure out what we were going to call this podcast we were doing. And uh, there were lots of cat names thrown around. Mm-hmm. None it of is stuck. true. Yeah. Right. Right. Early on when we were starting the podcast, we came up with a whole bunch of things. I think there was a whole... Uh, Cat's eye glaring? Cat's, Cat's eye glaring or something yeah. like that. Moving on from there, we go to Jason from Wisconsin. Jason writes in and says, hi there, FTP crew. Hi, Jason. Hello. Been listening to your podcast for five months now. I started with your Mummy's Mask campaign and just became a patron uh, to listen to your Tyrant's Grasp campaign after growing oh, fond of all you. of your characters. Thank you. Thank you for backing us on the Patreon. 
Hollis being my second favorite right behind oh. Sugar. Oh. Ah, Sugar is great. Sure. Despite the fact that I still can't understand them. Unfortunately, I just joined an online group where we've begun to play Tyrant's Grass, so I'll have to wait to listen. It's very sad. I hope that your online group is going very well, though. Yeah. Yeah. I have sure. a question for Rick. Uh, although I will extend this to, uh, I mean, Jessica, you've also GM'd on numerous occasions and to all of our other GMs out there on NPCs and their behavior. I have a picture of how a character is supposed to act in my mind, but unfortunately there are times when I make a statement or they take an action that I feel is out of character. It bothers me when that happens, so I was hoping that you might have some insight on how to shift a character back to how I'd like to portray them. So, I mean, that happens, I think, with everyone on mm -hmm. not just NPCs, but also PCs. Yeah, for sure. For you, the player, sometimes it's, oh, well, we've been doing this dungeon crawl for the last, I don't know, eight months. And uh, but for your characters, it's been like three hours. And in, in your real lifetime, it's like, all right, well, the, when I first started playing this character, when we first started this game, like I was in this headspace and I'm like, I'm going to make that, you know, like we can do it kind of character. Like I'm very excited and all the rest of that stuff. And then over the last eight months, like I've gotten a new job and I really hate my coworkers and, you know, I've got a mortgage payment coming up mm -hmm. and I've got all the rest of this stuff. And so suddenly my character went from, you know, bright, optimistic, you know, 16 <laughs> year old fighter that's out to conquer the world to like, why is this 16 year old so jaded and, and gruff and cynical now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which does happen. Sometimes when you're creating a character, you have a different feel for what their personality might be. And then you sit down and play them. I think Cesare's original personality description says he has a pleasant personality. It and, does. We all know, and we all know how wrong that is. I just so. remember reading that and going, hmm, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, no, so, that's the thing is over like also it's part of you sit down with the group and nothing survives contact with the group not even oh, what true. you were intending yeah. to do <laughs> npcs are not right like to provoke the action or reaction you want out of another character you have to act a certain way occasionally and so that just kind of happens well and again it's if you're wanting to try to get a character back on you know as you're as you're saying there how do you phrase that exactly hoping that you might be able to get them back, uh, shift them back to how you'd like to portray them. You know, honestly, just portray them as, again, I think as um, as the two of you were just saying, that maybe they're just having a bad day. Yeah. Maybe if they come across as being gruffer or meaner than normal, you know, maybe it's a bad day. Maybe it's even a character develop mo development moment where it's just like, if you want to have this character have a very open and, and kind personality, but then the players do something that aggravates you, maybe it also aggravated them. Maybe yeah. if it was like, well, I was really hoping you just volunteer to help this orphanage um, as opposed to me having to pay you to help this orphanage. So maybe you didn't intend it, but a character trait for that character might just be that they don't like people that are only in it for the money. They don't like mercenaries. Yeah. And I mean, as much as you try to stop it, sometimes your own mood of the day sometimes seeps into your character. <laughs> And sometimes that's just the way it is. So sometimes you just have an off day where you're not like 100% on the role play or mm -hmm. like Rick said, it's somebody says something and that aggravates you. Maybe it does aggravate your character. So I wouldn't yeah. beat yourself up about it too much. Most of the time, your players are just there to have fun. They're not going to notice if there's a huge like, I mean, maybe if there's a night and day change in an NPC, yeah. they might notice. But if it's been some time since they've seen that person they're not going to fully remember what voice you did or how you did your intonation or any of that stuff that that also is uh that's a problem that i had early on especially with the uh the podcast where i 
use a specific voice for a character and then I would forget that voice. I'd be like, what was this character's voice? I started making notes and I'm like, what are these notes? <laughs> what was I even meaning? What, is, what was I even meaning Secret when I was code. just like sly? I'm like, how do I say, how do I speak slyly? Obviously past me thought I knew. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I hope that that is uh, generally speaking uh, helps. I'd see that we did get a comment about role play takes practice and uh, it's, uh, it's fine to have mistakes, which is a, a great thought process on it and turn it into a fun character moment. That is from mm -hmm. uh, English Bob. So thank you. Jason goes on to say, I'd also like to add that you're all amazing and make my long days of retail work all the more enjoyable. May the Lady of Graves not judge your characters anytime soon. And may your dice roll 20s when it matters most, even Rick. Oh, don't, thank you. Don't give him luck. <laughs> he doesn't need it. When it matters most, it. it could be I for an NPC, it. Heather. Okay. Could be for an NPC. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Or maybe if it would be dramatically appropriate for a character death at that moment. Oh, my Ew. God. We don't like that. We know where we no. are in recording and we don't like it. Uh, going on from there, we go to uh, to Casey. Hey, Casey. Casey writes in. Hey there, guys. Hey. Hello. Hello. Long-term fan of the podcast. I'm currently looking into starting my own podcast and I'm looking into equipment to buy before we start recording. I'm sorry if this is not as uh, as punctual. Actually, I think I might have replied back to, back to this one, but I'm not positive. So I apologize if this is not as punctual. I've always loved the sound quality of your show and was wondering what kind of audio interface slash mixer you use for the show. Early on, we used the Behringer and uh, I know Behringer, they get a little bit of a pushback um, as far as... Uh, audio equipment is concerned but like honestly them and like uh, audio technica i'm actually big fans of their equipment because mm -hmm. they're just there's no oomph to them it doesn't add anything they're, it's not like when you're uh using a headphones that add bass into it or something they just give you the pure audio i really appreciate that uh now that we're all recording remotely we're all using uh focus rights uh which is what we're using for our uh, audio interface for our microphones which are good i have had some problems with them We've sent back a lot of them. And, and that we've had to send back three. Um, I don't know if they're intended to be used for this level of, uh, of recording. Honestly, uh, they do produce really good sound and they do have a really good boost if you're looking at uh, phantom power. For those of you who uh, use phantom power microphones or like us use, uh, I keep wanting to say cloud lifters because I know a lot of people use cloud lifters, but we actually use, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, to boost the game. Fed heads, fed heads are what we used. Everyone I know. Else, right. gives me shrugs. equipment and says, plug this in. And I say, okay. We <laughs> yeah. use Zencaster yes. as a software. <laughs> yeah, we do use Zencaster as a software. Um, and Fedheads are what we run through uh, uh, for our Phantom Power. So anyway, I hope that uh, that all helps you, Casey. And uh, I hope that you've managed to get your, uh, your podcast there um, up and running. Always happy to hear that there's another, like, I'm, I'm very much, I think we've mentioned this a few times before, I'm very much a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people see the actual play industry and they're like, oh, it's so glutted. Um, there's so many actual plays out there. And honestly, if you put out an actual, if you put out an actual play and people enjoy it, then that's all that really matters. And it raises, in my personal opinion, the medium as a whole. So mm -hmm. uh, if that's something that you're interested in doing, if that's something you're interested in getting out there and doing by all means like it's a lot more work than anyone ever thinks it is <laughs> but it's a lot of fun and in return you get amazing people like you casey writing in and uh and offering us praise so uh moving on from there we do have an email from ryan m hey ryan hey ryan. hello absolutely love listening to you all right now i'm listening to your playthrough of mummy's mask oh. i have a question how do you keep players from min maxing and making the characters believable. So let's start with that one. 
I don't I, think Rick does anything. I don't do anything. I know. Yeah. How, how about you? How do you guys stop yourselves from min-maxing? I never I, think about that. I never really. think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mostly just trying to build a character that won't die immediately and that will fill whatever role I'm supposed to be filling. And I mean, gets across that concept in your brain. You're like, yes. I want to make this. How do I do this with mechanics? And I hate, I don't want to dump stat anything because one, I'm going to have a hard time like role playing it because it's, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, what? Uh, it just, it makes me think of uh, the first Fallout game if you dump stat intelligence. Yes, oh, I could geez. not do that to save my life. Where dump sometimes your only option hard. is I smash a hammer into this door. <laughs> like I don't have another option. Yeah, <laughs> true. Well, um, the other thing is, um, uh-oh, I lost it. That's Uh-oh. a bad thing to do live. Oh, well, it's fine. <laughs> you were saying something. I don't know. No, no just I saying don't. the yeah, dump, just... dump statting is always difficult. And, yeah, you know, I mean, and it, I also find... it takes a lot of work to min-max. It really yeah. does. Like you, like looking up charts on like damage per round and all the rest yeah, of that stuff. I don't stuff, care enough like... about that. That's too much math, first of all. But second of all, oh. that's where it was. Um, we are player. We as a table tend to like to be jack of all trade types. Like we don't mm. always play them, but... I want to be a little good at everything so that I don't like, I don't want to suck at anything. And so you can't really do min maxing well unless you're going to min something. <laughs> and that, and we're a heavy role play party. So if you min max a character to just be the, you know, murder hobo, you're going to be spending a lot of time in our, at our table at least, being like, can't do anything for this. Yeah. Yeah. God, can you imagine a min max character for combat and war for the crown? Oh my <laughs> lord! <laughs> you know? Stand the in the corner thing. and don't talk to anyone. <laughs> the real thing would be a min max character for diplomacy and war for the crown, where it's just like I've done everything to get my diplomacy score oh, as do. high oh, as I absolutely possible. Oh no, fight! Ah! Well, to be fair, war for the crown is probably the best place to take skill focused diplomacy. <laughs> True, true. I'm just saying. I was gonna I was just gonna throw this out there as an aside, is it I think it is indicative of, of both of the two of yours, as well as uh, in large part Rachel's uh, viewpoints on that as well. It is so difficult to get you because I know neither of you really like to have low roles and things. <laughs> yeah, it is so difficult to get you to put on heavy armor. In I hate anything heavy but armor. second edition, because it's just like armor class penalty. What is How this? Dare you? <laughs> and if what I am gonna wear heavy penalties? armor. It's going to be Mithril as soon as I can get it to be Mithril. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I yeah. want to move fast. That's also, I like to make dex builds over strength builds. There's just a whole, I like to be able to move around. In case you're wondering why, you know, you'll never see uh, Jessica or Rachel and not really Heather all that too much. Um, Heather a little bit more so in like plate mail and things like that. Yeah, nah. Mm. I don't want to sink. And also I want to be able to move my normal speed. <laughs> Ryan's uh, follow-up question is, most players I know create their characters from the beginning to 13th level at least with feet, chains, and such. Do you do the same or pick feats as your characters grow? It'll be interesting because I think we've got the two sides of that equation. I plan out my characters first through 20th level, even though we don't always reach 20th level, um, for the feet trees, especially in first edition, because there's a lot of really good feats that you need like three other feats to take. So I I plan out the feet trees like I don't and usually stat bonuses, but it's not like I plan out every little thing at every level. Like I don't have what spells Cesare is going to take at every level or things like that. Hmm. Um, it's mostly just if I want to take this feat, what do I have to do to get there? So yeah, I typically am the opposite. I tend to build as I go, and it's a lot. Of in, there's a lot of influence based on what's been happening. Um, I think I'm also the only one that's multi-classed recently. 
or at least in a podcast game. I multi-class a lot because I want to fill the gap if I can of whatever we need. But also, I mean, there have been times where there's like, ah, I'm playing a kobold in first edition and I really want to do this like feet tree that only kobolds can have that has tails and stuff. So I had to actually plan that character out further. Um, But the funny thing is the plan ended up going out the window anyway, and I retrained some of those feats and went away from it. So I don't know. I tend to just kind of go with the flow and pick what makes sense when I'm leveling up. I see that uh, we have the two sides of the equation in our chat as well, where Fern Goalie says, uh, I don't even plan my characters for the level they are half the time. (laughs) That sounds like Rachel. And Matthew uh, Jaluka? I'm terrible with names. Jalovka? Jalovka, Jalovka maybe, um, says that uh, I plan to 20 for characters I don't play. (laughs) (laughs) Those are exact opposites. (laughs) And when I do plan out characters, they're not like set in stone. Like Hell's Rebels, for example, we needed to learn a few other languages to help decipher that one book we found at the beginning. And I threw out whatever I feed I was going to take for Cesare at whatever level that was and took multilingual, you know? So it's not set in stone, but... I do tend to have a plan. And second edition, it's way easier, I think, to go with the flow because there aren't as many feats that require a massive feat tree like in Got first stick edition. stick and move. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. True. Well, thank you, Ryan, for the uh, for the interesting question, getting a chance to, again, I, I lucked out that uh, that I had the two of you on here because, you know, normally <laughs> it would be like Jessica and Jordan. They're just like, plans. <laughs> plans are for suckers. Actually, I do occasionally plan, but it's never written down anywhere. It's the same thing when I'm making a character. I make a character and then I make a different character and then I make six or seven versions of that character. And Rick just waits patiently until it's close enough to the game for me to be done. Yeah, once I fire off the starting gun, then suddenly you have no choice but to go with that thing. Yeah. Uh, I really should have an actual starting gun that I'm just like, haha. <laughs> you do not need that. Take a video Can you of imagine you. imagine the cats? <laughs> it's a popper. It's like a, like a, a confetti popper. popper. Yep. Oh my God. So uh, thank you, Ryan. And moving on, we have an email here from Rob from Munich, Dalston Taldor. For Taldor. For Taldor. Uh, for Taldor. Rob writes in and says, hello, find the path crew. Hello. Uh, hello, Rob. I've recently stumbled over your podcast when I was looking for someone that runs through Hell's Rebels AP since ah. I was going to GM it for my group and have some insight into the com- into the conversion. I started subscribing to your Patreon. My campaign sadly came to a halt, but currently I am listening to Tyrant's Grasp and getting those cathartic cries from time uh, to time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we'll probably catch up with Mummy's Mask at some point. Awesome. Fair. I really like your group dynamic. That you're so focused on role-playing and very empathetic towards people in the stories you play and so in love with Galarian. It is a great setting. I very much it is. It's I very much enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned early on that I, I struggled for a little bit because I was such a Forgotten Realms person. Mm. Same. So, you know, again, I've got all of my Forgotten Realms books up there, the 3.5 ones at the very least, and some of the old school ones yeah. down at the bottom. I have such a weird backwards, like, I think I, I recently converted Frost Maiden or whatever to mm-hmm. 2e and i was like i'm just gonna stick that at the top of like irison like <laughs> 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 it has to be in the galarian because that's the world i like yeah i mean when i first started uh my first run through of rise of the rune lords i ported it into uh the forgotten realms so yeah we did mm. interesting goes on to say also i want to laud rick's talent at foreshadowing well thank you which I get to see in Hell's Rebels, having read the AP, everything you hinted at, very organic and non-intrusive, and I aspire to do something similar should I run it again. Uh, yes. Now the players have to be like, what was foreshadowing? You, I <laughs> just assume everything that comes out of your mouth everything. at this point is foreshadowing. Well, that's okay. why you have to remember and be like, <laughs> ah, 
That's a clue. Let's remember that for later. <laughs> Since Paizo recently announced a larger update for second edition with its core series to get rid of the OGL. Um, this is somewhat of, of an older email, so we've just gotten yep. the remaster. I uh, wanted yes, to yes. ask, what would be changes that you'd like to see or what changes are you looking forward to uh, with our remastered rules? I have one right off the top of the head. Cool, I've go. been reading through the remasters. And one change that I do think was very good for the system is uh, changing Aid Another to be a DC-15. Oh, yes. I nice. think that that was a definite change for the better. It was so hard people, to aid anyone. Yeah, people just didn't do it at low levels. Yeah, too hard. So, um, especially And the chance of critically the, failing was so high. Yes. You're just like, I could try to help, but I'll probably just screw us all over. You're too so weak I'm just to help. Here. <laughs> Get out of my way. So, uh, so yeah, taking it from, uh, oh, an answer, uh, it was a DC 20. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so it taking it from 20 to 15, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, that's a 25% chance, higher chance of you getting a critical success, 25% mm -hmm. lower chance of you getting a critical failure. That's a, a substantial improvement. Yep. Uh, I also like the new swap action because, gosh, oh, it's yeah. a pain. Swap is good. I always throwing weapons on the ground. Swap is the new interact action where you can uh, take a hand and if you have an object in hand, you can swap it for another object ready on your person. So you can sheathe a dagger and draw a sword at the same time. You know so, what I'd like to see? Hmm. Stepping, even if you aren't using a land speed. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, why that's pertinent right now at all. <laughs> <laughs> no reason, no reason. But it just, yeah. you know, I want a step to be also a, a little swimmy swim or a little float. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, that would be an interesting direction or something that'd be interesting to see, or even including a feat that, uh, mm. or actually if they'd even changed it with something like Underwater Marauder. That yeah. lets you take a step while you're um, you're underwater would be interesting. Although that one doesn't actually give you a swim speed, so I could see there being problems with it. Yeah, and uh, we haven't gotten it yet, but uh, I am looking forward to seeing what they do with the rest of the classes. Right now, we uh, as of the recording of this, we only have the player's core one, and yeah. so I'm I've been interested in seeing what they've done so far. Being a mechanics person, I wish that they'd included a little bit more as far as guidelines on uh, edicts and anathemas. Mm. Getting rid of the alignment system makes sense. Um, I think I was talking to Jessica about this the other day. The one thing I miss as a game master from it is alignment for me was always a shorthand on how to play NPCs. Uh, when I look yeah. at this and go, this is a neutral good character. Okay, so I've got a general idea of what their baseline is. So I'm not sure exactly if they're if they're planning on including an edicts and anathema for like every NPC that you run into, oh, which would be an be interesting thing to do, but is a substantially larger word count. So I don't know how yeah. that's going to work out for the modules going forward. But hmm. again, I would be interested in seeing it. Um, yeah. Or even if they provided a guideline that was just like, you know, if a character had um, a lawful good alignment previously, that is like, you know, here are the suggested lawful, you know, edicts. And here are the suggested good edicts. And here are the suggested. I, I honestly, I just think that they need mm -hmm. to expand that system some. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're playing a um, like a divine caster. Or a druid or somebody that has an edict they have to follow because edicts and anathemas were already there. Um, it's harder if you're playing like, I'm playing a fighter. Um, and then so it's hard to think about what those are, which is cool because it can be way more flexible and people don't fit neatly into alignment boxes, which is also cool. But uh, and, you know, if they're not really tied to mechanics, it doesn't super matter on the player side, except for when it matters. Right. Well, it's kind of the same with alignment is that alignment didn't ever super matter until you determine, oh, am I being caught in this um yeah, it's a spell hurting me. 
Um, it didn't really like super matter matter except for those occasions. Yeah. I think the interesting thing with the the edicts and anathbas uh, is the fact that you were just mentioning the deities right there. Almost every single character worships a deity. So mm-hmm. you already have kind of built-in edicts and anathbas where it's just like, I'm a fighter that worships Gorum. It's like, yeah. all right, well, what are Gorum's edicts and anathbas? Because those are probably, usually you follow a deity that you actually believe in what their edicts yeah, are. Yeah, it's a good starting point. So it's kind of a good starting point. I just wish that they had more of a, um, Heather can back me on this, but I really enjoyed the way that uh, World of Darkness did um, nature and demeanor. See, that'd be a nice thing to have. Just yeah. that way, you know, it's just, here's a couple uh, keywords that describe this, you know, character, what they put out to the world and how they really feel inside. And then you can run with it. You yeah. know? I mean, so you could technically, if you're running this at home, you could make it like. Yeah, poured in the, uh, the nature yeah. demeanor sort of things from uh, World of Darkness would be an interesting way of going about it. Yeah. But anyway, Rob continues to say, uh, I know my husband is looking forward to an updated witch. Uh, since he mm. loves the class, but it does not quite deliver in 2e as it did in first edition. I've heard some people say that, although I've always been interested by the witch. I thought Cesare I like, would actually make a pretty good witch. I like the 2e witch more than the 1e witch, so maybe I'm ah, just weird. Shots fired. Eh. I wish you all the best and hope that you enjoy playing many more hours together uh, that you can share with us as the audience. I want Cesare to be a witch now. Be a witch, Cesare. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be a witch. So well, you're, just, you're already so, so focused on the familiar that the, the witch almost yes, makes sense. Yes, but there. being a witch ties me down to a higher power, which is not, not something Cesare would be. That, cool that is fair. That does make <laughs> some degree of sense. All right, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> yeah. So Adam from Westerly, Rhode Island, writes in to say, oh. "Hey, find the path." Hello. Hey, I was actually recently in. Uh, well, I say recently. It's been a year now. I was in Rhode Island last year. Um, I went to uh, Providence in Rhode Island. Beautiful, beautiful state. Y'all are my first Pathfinder podcast, recommended to me by my DM, and I'm loving it. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks. Well, thank you. Been binging your episodes while I walk around all day as a mailman. Oh, that is a hard job. <laughs> Currently on episode 112 of Mummy's Mask, after listening for a few months, but will probably still be a while before I catch up to your current stuff. Currently, my own group is a little over a year into our first Pathfinder AP, Curse of the Crimson Throne. Ah, oh, so also, good. One. Excellent choice. Um, our friends over at uh, Hideous Laughter are doing a playthrough of Curse of the Crimson Throne. Oh, interesting. I believe it's called uh, Bestow Curse is their uh, ah. um, series name. <laughs> okay. We are planning on trying to start our own podcast with Rise of the Rune Lords in about a year when we finish Throne. Well, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rise of the Rune Lords, also excellent adventure path. Yes, in that campaign, I plan on being a hunter that prestiges into Mammoth Lord because big dinosaur. Oh, you're going to have some struggles with a big dinosaur. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my question is, do you have experience playing with larger than normal animal companions slash mounts? And do they bring more annoyance than functional slash cool factor when dealing with occasional dungeons or going into towns slash cities for parts of adventures? Are there any tricks or spells to deal with these situations? There I are mean, spells. Rise of the Rune Lords is probably one of the better campaigns yeah, to some have big stuff there. a big, big, big mammoth with you, but it's still going to be a tight squeeze sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Depends on when you get the mammoth, I guess, because I'm thinking like, you know, book five might be a problem. Like there's there's definitely some places that uh, your buddy's going to have to, you know, hide in a pocket or whatever. I don't know if you can yeah. do that with big ones, though. I know that they have the spell that like, if you're playing in one e that like cutifies them, makes them smaller. Yeah, and you can has get like thing. shrink animal and all the rest of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always is the problem with uh, 
It's part of the reason, I know we've come back to this on so many occasions, on so many different um, after parties and uh, other discussion things about communication between the player, the players and the game master, is there's always that sometimes the game master really needs to let people know this is a really neat character idea, but not for this. I think that there are a couple of occasions in Rise of the Rune Lords that you could get away with having. In that case, if you're going for like a huge size animal companion mm -hmm. where you could get away with doing that. But if you're looking at adventure paths other than probably, um, I'm going to assume quest uh, for the Frozen Flame probably is good yeah, for that one's good a for mammoth, mammoth rider. I would also say maybe Giant Slayer because yeah, you're usually outside. dealing with really, really large dungeons uh, for the creatures that are in them. So Giant Slayer would probably be um, really neat. So... Honestly, if you're going for dinosaur at that point, uh, less T-Rex and more Velociraptor would probably be the direction I would go. But, but that doesn't really exactly go. You can't a... be a mammoth lord yeah. and ride around on a Velociraptor. Although, can you be a mammoth lord and not have a mammoth? I guess you can, technically. Mechanically. Yeah, it just uh, it kind of goes into any lord side. You could be a mammoth lord on a Triceratops or something like that, yeah. which would be cool. I mean, yeah. there's a there's a reason my unicorn was ectoplasmic. So yeah, yeah. Could and that's not walls. even a that's just with a large size creature, not anything bigger. Well, and even even then, there were a couple of times where the party ran into trouble where it was like uh, this room is only 12 total squares and the unicorn mm -hmm. is taking up four of them. <laughs> so yeah, you so will run into problems. Sure. Um, Eagle King. Um, shout out to Eagle King. who's also a, a moderator on our Discord. Hey, Eagle King recommends hosteling armor i think hosteling armor lets armor. you put them in your armor or something i don't remember exactly what it does and also riding a kraken in skull and shackles which sounds <laughs> amazing not a terrible plan yeah um yeah but if you're playing tui quest for the frozen flame i'm playing a druid with a mammoth going on the mammoth lord track or whatever so that one is super good this to play this just suddenly makes me remember of that Forgotten Realms module where there was a giant in the Underdark that had a freaking huge mammoth. And we were like, how did it even get yeah, down how did here? You, Teleportation. How did you get down here? <laughs> yeah. uh, I do remember running that. Uh, what was that? Was that City of the Spider Queen? Yeah, I think, it I think was. so. Yeah. Anyway, spoiler alert for a 15-year-old adventure. Older than that, probably. <laughs> Let's not think about it. Um, or whatever but, system. But yeah, I was just like, how did that even get down here? <laughs> True. Yep. But anyway, otherwise, be ready to cast Shrink Animal or whatever the equivalent name is in whichever system you're playing. Find, um, or find a way to make them armor. small. Or just accept that sometimes they'll have to hang out outside while you go in and, and do the dungeon. Yeah, so don't uh, which put 100% of your feats into them. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a reason why 90% of Cavaliers in first edition are halflings. Because <laughs> they get so, puffers. It's just so much easier to get a dog at this place. Or war boars. It's true. Um, or war corgis. So, mm, war geese. Yep. Adam uh, finishes off saying, love the podcast. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you, thank Adam. Thank you. Thanks. The next one we have comes from uh, Hongbo from Allen, Texas. So just oh, around hey, the, uh, just up the way from us. around the corner. <laughs> that's nearby. It's true. Just a little north. Hello, Find the Path. Hello. 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 I'm usually a lurker in online communities, but I wanted to take time to give a shout out to your wonderful podcast. Well, thank you. I found your podcast earlier this year while searching for good Pathfinder 2E podcasts. I actually tuned into Hell's Rebels first before realizing the massive backlog you had from Mummy's Mask and decided to give that a try instead. Well, I think both of them are really good shows. Yep. Uh, we deliver on two different things. It's just whether or not you like your 1E or your 2E flavor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or your deserts or your cities. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's that, uh, it's the whole, it's the chocolate and peanut butter. Why not both? <laughs> mm. 
It took me a while to warm up to Mummy's Mess story and the role-playing between the doorkeepers. However, I grew to love the compelling narrative with real stakes that you guys, sorry, not a native Texan, <laughs> real. <had> created <laughs> along with the smooth flow of the podcast thanks to your knowledge of the rules. Well, thank you. I most enjoy the warm and inviting atmosphere that Find the Path conveys of a table of nerdy friends who love each other and love the game, sharing that experience with all the wonderful path folk. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. And I I'm see glad why to... Rick's reading these, because then he gets to be the reader and not the listener. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it makes it a little easier. I used to listen to your podcast while walking my dog, Dobby, um, picks attached, but my wife and I recently had our first child. Since then, your podcast has kept me company at night while feeding and rocking my son to Aww. sleep. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> my son is delightful and adorable, but it has been a, a challenging couple of weeks so far with sleepless nights and being stuck at home. However, being able to join the doorkeepers on their adventures has been a treat during a difficult stage of life. I'm currently working my way through the sightless sphinx, and I'm excited mm. to see how the doorkeepers <laughs> the make their way through. Sphinx. <laughs> uh, good times. Also, ah. congratulations on the uh, the new addition to your family. Yes, yeah. congratulations. I did have a question for you all. Sorry if I missed the telling of the story, but how did you first meet and start playing together? I've been I'll interested in trying Pathfinder for a while, but I'm not sure how to find a group and join to join and was wondering if you could share any advice. That's two well, questions. Rick and I have known each other since high school. So sure. yeah, Heather we've been and I playing met, since then. Heather and I met way back in high school. And um, don't say way back. Way back. Rude. Way back when. <laughs> a million years ago. <laughs> the dawn of time. Yes. Back in the day with our periwigs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And so we uh, I was already playing in a game. We had mutual friends that were both playing. And mm -hmm. uh, so we ended up actually meeting up to play in a game of uh, was it werewolf or vampire? I can't remember which. It was one of them. One of the two. Um, this was back in the back in the '90s with the angsty. Well, technically, it was the early it, 2000s with the with the angsty, you know, still '90s love of World mm, of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And then Heather and I cycled through a couple of different groups of uh, we gain friends and then lose friends and then different groups of people. And then uh, when Rachel and I started dating mm -hmm. after meeting through a mutual friend that I was also in a gaming group with, Jessica and Jordan started dating a week later. Yeah, and then um, Rachel's like, "Hey." How about we all get together? I think the first time I met Jordan was actually to make yeah. characters for yeah. a Pathfinder game to teach Pathfinder. And he made glamour boots. You, and Justin and Rachel had been friends for a long time before yeah. that. So Yeah, that's we were how... friends from high school also. Uh -huh. And I did run a beginner's box for D&D at some point in high school with a random group of friends, but it never really went anywhere. Yeah. Heather had been working at the time or working previously with Ross. And so that's how Ross That's ended how we up, met Ross. Yeah, being part of the group. And then yep. whenever I started teaching, um, I decided to sit down and do this uh, introductory game for Jessica and Jordan and Rachel because Rachel hadn't played Pathfinder before. I invited Ross over to kind of be a, hey, you can be my player plant. You know, here's the experienced <laughs> player to also kind of help with everything. Yes. And yeah, I ended up doing a campaign with uh, Jess, Jordan, and Heather going through Legacy of Fire. And then, I was uh, not ready for that. It yeah, was and then when we did the follow-up one, uh, I invited uh, Heather to join. And so Heather joined on that one. And I honestly, I don't think it was until we did, um, was it Carrying Crown? Crown? I think it was Carrying Crown was the first time that all of us were actually together as a group. Mm. Where I had like one group yeah. that was, because there was like one group that was uh, everyone sans Ross. And then was there was really another group weird. that, yeah. At the time. Yeah, there was a Heather, Heather group and a Ross yeah. group. 
Mm-hmm. There was a Heather group and Ross group, and then everyone merged together for. Uh, and then one morning, Rick was like, "Hey, should we do a podcast?" And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone was like, "I mean, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> and I met Jordan through OKCupid, okay so that's how he joined. Oh, the group. there you go. <laughs> Somebody so, in the yeah. chat asks what Vampire the Masquerade clans we like. Uh, Mal- me, Malkavian, La Sombra, Samizzi are probably my top three. I just uh, had to throw that out there. My top three are probably uh, Venture, Tremere, and I've always been partial to the Bruja. Mm-hmm. I have anyway. no opinion. The Tremere are cool too, but Tremere you know. are great. Go play uh, the Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines video game. Um, it's a cult classic. It, uh, it's it's cumbersome <laughs> as heck, but uh, it is it is a great old school game. Yeah. So as far as uh, suggestions and all the rest of that stuff on getting together with a group, um, I think the the easiest one I'd immediately say is if you're just looking for a, a group of people to play with that you don't necessarily need to play in person, our Discord is an amazing place to go yep. and find um, yep. groups. We games. are a uh, again we're a lodge as far as pathfinder society is concerned there's so many amazing people over on our discord um that are so welcoming and inviting so if you're looking for a place that is a great place um if you're looking for something again you're in the dallas area so uh madness comics um which tends to be the comic place that we hit up every once in a while i don't go there as much as i used to Mm -hmm. but madness comics as far as uh, north texas is concerned is kind of the biggest uh you know here's a good nerd spot to get together yeah other than that, conventions are always a great place. Um, I, I think somebody, I think it might have been included in an email that um, I was reading through recently that uh, a bunch of people just meet up at like Gen Con and things like that, where it's like, I'll meet True. my game group once or twice a year at a convention. And then the rest of the time we play online. Sometimes so. work. I've uh, like, if, you're, if you work at a company and your company has random Slack channels like mine does, like we have a tabletop channel. And I've discovered that lots of people in my company play D&D and other tabletop games. So nice. sometimes, you know, talking to <laughs> people that you know to be like, y'all want to try this thing? Yeah, uh, do you want to you want to try to branch out and see about this thing? And again, a lot of times people that's always the thing I find with tabletop RPGs is a lot of people will say that it's something that they were always interested in but never knew how to get into it. That they're mm-hmm. like, I've always been interested in playing D&D or playing Pathfinder or playing some tabletop game, but you know, it's the it's a whole joke of like it's like drugs. You kind of have to know a guy. <laughs> that you know, actually getting into it is difficult to do sometimes. So I hope that you found a group, and uh, if not, I hope that you find one soon, and maybe the Discord can point you in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. So um, Humbo continues saying, uh, "Thanks again for all that you do and all the hours of entertainment that you provided me and countless others. I can't wait to start on Tyrant's Grasp and Hell's Rebels after Mummy's Mask." Hmm. Well, I hope that you enjoy. And more for the crown, even. And more yeah. for the crown. And now more for the crown. Uh, Mason writes in, hello there. Hello. Hello. Hey, Mason. In the last, so sad, but I get it, uh, rumor mill from Hell's <laughs> Rebels. Uh, yes, we did have to stop uh, the, the rumor mills, unfortunately. Again, we're going through a lot of emails here. Uh, <laughs> Ross mentioned that he plays Fire Emblem games. Ross, unfortunately, is not here. Um, I love the Fire I Emblem Fire games. I Fire Emblem games. Growing up and played all the old Game Boy games and the Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, and have recently been getting back into them as an adult. Do any of the others of the crew play them? I think I Heather play answered Fire that. Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> I was I just saying Ross them. isn't here because Ross got called out. Currently wrapping up my playthroughs of three houses on the Switch and was considering getting one of the one of the 3DS Fire Emblem games. So I wanted to see if you had played any of the other 3DS ones. Uh, if you had any recommendations, which Fire Emblem game has been your favorite? 
Heather. I mean, three houses is really, really good, but Fates and Awakening on the 3DS are also really good. So, I mean, it's Fire Emblem. You can't really go wrong. <laughs> but I would probably say out of the 3DS ones that I've played, that Fates is probably my favorite. The game series has been a great source of story ideas, and I've considered running a game specifically in one of the Fire Emblem worlds, and I've been debating on whether I should run it in a system I know or try to figure out how to emulate the video game mechanics into a tabletop version. Curious what you think slash recommend for that as well. Okay, um, I would def if you're going to focus on world building and transferring a world, I would definitely do it with a system you know. That's just my opinion. <laughs> that's a good, um, that's because a good bit Because then of you don't have to worry about that. But I, I've never really converted. Rick kind of converted, has converted other stories from game systems into other game systems. Someone may have done it. Look at the yeah. world. Look at the yeah, internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of curious to see whether the chat would have any uh, system suggestions. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Heather, do you have any? I mean, I would go with D&D or Pathfinder just because it's a high fantasy type situation. Okay. But I didn't know enough about that, it because I was just like, would this yeah, be good blades in the it. dark sort of situation? But no. It's a tactics game where people have magic when there's people in armor with weapons and clerics and it's very high fantasy. So, mm. but I haven't played any, some of this, played some of the newer current systems out there and I don't really keep up with them. So maybe there is one that's better. Yeah, Absolute so, uh, Turnip says uh, Secure Captain Protect is contain. an online horror community full of funky monsters written in a scientific research manner. Well, I don't know. feels non sequitur. Uh, <laughs> it feels yeah. non sequitur. I don't know if that applies to this situation. But but yeah, I mean, I would I would pick a system that you know and everything that you know well, so you don't have to worry about rules while you're trying to figure out how you're going to set up you know, the world in which like version of Fire Emblem world you want to use, basically. And then once you get the world building part down pat, if you want to branch out into other systems, like I said, that's I don't keep up with that. So <laughs> yeah, I play Pathfinder. I'm very busy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, also I, hope, I hope that that response provided some sort of in, in, influence or uh, import to uh, to your ideas. So hopefully also, that, that will help in some way. Secure, contain, protect was a non sequitur and had no. It was a non sequitur. Don't worry about it. <laughs> although, although if that appeals to you, um, I'm glad that, that I read fun. that off. So go and check that out for anyone uh, for anyone listening in the. I mean, maybe you'll get some inspiration from it. Who knows? Yeah, but continues off just saying, uh, "Have a great holiday season, friends. May you continue finding the path and bringing us all along with you." Well, thank you so much. Thank I you. hope. Uh, um, I hope you continue to join us in our adventure. May you also find a path and bring along your friends. It's true. I don't know. Awkward. <laughs> and we're just tearing through these. Remember when we used to just do like two a thing? It's a lot easier with only two people bouncing feedback. <laughs> it's me. true. True. Should have come up with this years ago. Jordan from Adara Kionan, uh, a.k.a. the Twin Cities. Hello, Find the Path crew. Hello, hey, Jordan. Yeah. I'm writing to y'all once again to thank you so much for giving us these wonderful shows. The ending to Mummy's Mask was absolutely spectacular and wrapped things up without being too over the top for various characters while still making them feel impactful. Ah, uh, yes. Looking back on Mummy's Mask. That was a... I remember the ramp up to the end and being like, okay, we have to nail this, y'all. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's our first ending. Yeah, it has to be good. We have no choice. It's bittersweet, but I'm so glad to have been able to follow your characters on that journey. Goodbye, Citra, Sudi, Hollis, and Masika. May many more listen to your story and find the same joy in it that I did. Or do as I am doing a slow re-listen. Mm, awesome. Well, thank you. 
I was rather proud of how that all ended off. So uh, yeah, the ending was good. Not to pat myself on the back too much. <laughs> that was a large part all of you too. Um, I'm getting caught up on Tyrant's Grasp. I meant that more as a compliment. I know it came across no. as a little condescending. But <laughs> so funny. He, he doesn't you were need also us there. for the story, apparently. <laughs> he can just do it himself. And you were there, and you were there. We're AI voices. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, yeah. sometimes we don't even show up for recording. <laughs> That's true. I'm getting caught up on Tyrant's Grass, finishing up episode 75 as of writing this, and I have to congratulate y'all on your character work. I am slowly getting into Hell's Rebels and am really looking forward to War for the Crown. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed War Yay. for the Crown. Anyway, enough of War that. I have a question. War for the Crown is wild in its own different way. Uh, I do love it. I do love it. It's wild in its ridiculous way. Mm-hmm. It's wild like watching one of those Bravo shows or whatever it is, where it's just like, what are these people like? Oh my God, you know, real housewives of like, What are these people oh, even real doing? Real housewives of Opara. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. But I don't think he ever came up for casting. Uh, but who are your choices for Agathiel? Oh, this boy. might be a perfect time to finally cast Michael Fassbender. Or perhaps uh, Rutger Hauer. I mean, we do love Michael Fassbender. We do. He does have the creepiest smile, though. He, well, I mean, Regathiel. <laughs> Regathiel is I figure we'll kick that over to Heather. Full Tell of us rage. about Regathiel. <laughs> you got to do weirdly put thing. on the spot. <laughs> Gwen follows, Gwen follows Rick, Regathiel, so I figure. Rick has to read the description of Regathiel. We got to do this right. Yes. Rick. You're, you're springing this on me. I wasn't, I, I thought this was just going to be a quick having a conversation about Regathiel. I figured. No, no, you have to do it Heather correctly. Heather could provide the entire description of Regathiel from memory. I feel very put on the spot. I know lots Regathiel of things, but none of the words. Regathiel is an imperial lord, a good servant of the gods who through transcendence has achieved some small measure of divine power, known as the General of Vengeance. His portfolio includes chivalry, duty, and vengeance, and his holy symbol is a bastard sword crossed with a crimson wing. He makes his home at the base of the Mountain of Heaven in his eponymous fortress, a magnificent steel structure designed to withstand a thousand-year siege if need be. Takes an active role in battle against Hell's fiendish legions. He serves... He shines at the head of his army, a figure of golden light cleaving through the ranks of devils that face him. Soldiers of all kind, but particularly knights, pay homage to Regathiel and pray for his virtue and wrathful strength in battle. Uh, Regathiel is a tower of glorious might. He stands almost 20 feet tall uh, and five lofty burning wings stretch from his back. The General of Vengeance once had six wings, but one was severed and torn from his body by the archdevil Despater, Regathiel's father. Uh, which is interesting, because actually um, one of Caden Kaling's heralds used to have six wings, but one of hers was ripped off by Asmodeus. People be up here ripping people's wings <laughs> off, apparently. That's a big thing people's in hell, wings apparently. <laughs> Despater, by the way, we cast as Idris Elba, if that has any influence mm. on your casting choices. Mm, so charming. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know exactly why my brain went on this route, because the most recent thing I've seen Idris Elba in has been cyberpunk. And so it's like mm. Keanu Reeves. For Agathiel. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with it. Keanu Reeves for Agathiel. Let's do it. I, oh, Lord. Whoa. <laughs> no. I've been watching um, a lot of weird things recently. And K-dramas, y'all. I've been She's watching, been watching a, lot a lot of K-dramas <laughs> recently. And so I would like to cast Song Junki, who... Um, I'm going to need a link He's from chat, Vincenzo. Yes. Uh, um, uh, here's just a picture. Sorry, let me give... I'll put it... Can I put a link in the chat? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm just going to put the, the series right, well, while she's doing that, Heather. This. Oh, I don't... I was always the last one, and I always needed time well, you that you edited out. you are the last one now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, this is a very Actually, weird. Actually, I'm weirdly picture. on board with Jessica's pick. Okay. <laughs> you, know? you gotta watch Vincenzo. Anyway, I've <laughs> recently roped Heather into learning Korean with me, so that's a whole thing. Yeah, um, she did. It's a thing. Rachel's in the learning Korean crowd too. Don't ask questions. Michael Fassbender's <laughs> not a bad one, though. Honestly, no. Michael Fassbender also isn't a bad one. I mean, oh my I god, are we gonna say, do a poll? Am I've I gonna a, randomly a make a poll? Um, <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of people making comments and all the rest of that stuff get behind Keanu also. So yeah, I'm let's make saying. a poll, I, Heather. Put it in the Discord. Uh, I'll put it in the Discord later on today, and people are gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> but yeah. Yes. We'll throw a poll in the Discord. Everyone can vote for it, and then uh, can I add a yeah. poll to the chat? That would be kind of fun. I don't know I'll if have I can. to remember anyway. how to make a poll on the Discord. It's been a hot minute, but I will make a poll. Be like, where did this come from? Don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, Jordan also stated, uh, uh, P.S. I hope you enjoy these photos included of my dog, Charlie, and my cats, Linus and Lucy. Oh, which are all adorable. They're Charlie all very Brown. cute. <laughs> yep. Big Peanuts fan here. Moving on. Uh, Mina from Nova Scotia writes in. Uh, hello, Mina. Hello. Hello. After being a 5E fan for a while, the Wizards of the Coast OGL debacle drove me away from that game and towards Pathfinder 2E, which I now uh, enjoy welcome. more, even after uh. the OGL stuff was settled. Well, welcome to the... Uh, that, that OGL stuff was a wild ride, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know. not, to go, not to go on a rant, so I'll stop myself before I go on a full-blown rant, but I will simply say oh. I feel like that that is the corporate equivalency of like producer interference on movies where you're like, why did this movie make this terrible choice? Oh, because someone in the producer was like, you know, it'd be great casting for this. My son oh. <laughs> uh, or daughter in the case, if you're looking back at the Godfather movies, I feel like it was a whole bunch of like, here's Hasbro sticking their hand into Wizards of the coast and what they're doing. Cause there's a lot of really great creative people. Some of them used to be Paiso people. Mm-hmm. that work over at Wizards of the Coast that are phenomenal, amazing creatives. And then it just feels like the corporate greed side of it gets in there and then suddenly starts messing with things. So uh, it is that mix of the artes- artistic and the creative uh, running into the, uh, having worked in the uh, in the soulless corporate side of things before, in the soulless <laughs> corporate side of things. But Mina goes on to say, found your podcast through a recommendation from someone in the 2E subreddit. Well, thank you, 2E subreddit. Yeah. Yeah. We actually get a lot of recommendations from people over there. So uh, we always appreciate everyone going over yes. there and shouting us out in the uh, the 2E and, uh, and 1E uh, subreddits for hmm. Pathfinder. I've been listening to your Hell's Rebels series, and I've got to say I'm thoroughly enjoying it so far. Cesare and Lucia are my personal favorites of the cast, but all of them are very Aww. funny. Thank you. What a weird Ch- dichotomy of people to like. Cesare <laughs> is my precious baby boy and I will be very upset if anything happens to him but anyway (laughs) I keep trying but Niccolo keeps taking all those hits I'm only on at episode 24 which means that it'll be quite a while before I listen until I listen to the episode in which you read this email turns out to be quite a bit longer because we'd actually stopped doing those (laughs) yeah uh, sorry about that but surprise uh, it came at the end of the year Uh, in turn meaning any questions I will ask will go unanswered for quite a while Uh, but eh, screw it I have two questions and a criticism anyway uh, question number one to all cast members, which PC slash NPC voice do you like doing the most across all the adventure paths you do? I don't know if I like it the most, but it's the one that I will be doing when I don't realize I'm doing it. Uh, I do Cypress's voice all the time. There are times it when Adrian is so Cypress. funny. And she'll say something and we'll be like, wrong voice, Jessica. Like, wrong Cypress, voice. what are you doing here? Yeah. I... I actually really like Cesare's voice. Sometimes I lose the accent a little bit, but I'm trying very hard. His is fun. Mm-hmm. Hollis's I mean, across, was easy. 
Yeah, see, Masika and Gwen are easy because it's just me pitching my voice to different levels. Mm. But, you know, Masika's very high pitch. Yeah. But yeah, she was fun too. So I'm pretty sure the fan demand would be uh, the Narmer voice, I think is probably people's favorite as far as the voices I've done for NPCs. Although <laughs> I do have, and it's not even a specific NPC, but I do really enjoy in War for the Crown getting to do my, oh my, uppish noble voice. <laughs> Which is just always just J random NPC in the background is like, oh, did you hear that the the Corsinas are coming to town? Oh, that's going to be quite the, uh, oh, the disturbing also, situation. <laughs> I love, I do love Verity's voice. Verity's voice is the, if you've ever had me GM for you, and if there's ever an evil lady, you know, bad guy, that's the voice. Like... <laughs> I also had a couple people shout out for uh, Laria and Don Don, which I, I very oh, much yeah, enjoy both of those character voices as well. Uh, <laughs> you can always do worse than Don Don. <laughs> that was weird timing. Somebody in the chat said that <laughs> like two seconds before you said it. It, it did uh, end up being his catchphrase. So question number two, do you think I should get KFC or Little Caesars for lunch today? Which is a time sensitive question that I think we've missed. Uh, Little overall, Caesars breadsticks. Yes. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm actually a KFC fan out of those I two. Mean, so both are okay, but Little Caesars hey, yeah. breadsticks are pretty baller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And does have a criticism stating that uh, loves my GMing and thinks that I do a great job. But uh, hope to God during the 50 plus episodes that I've gotten a new pop filter because I have some problems with the S sounds being way too loud. I hadn't heard that before and didn't notice it in the edit, but I apologize if that is the case for anyone. Uh, let hmm. me know in the chat if you've run into that problem yourself. Uh, I do have an alternative pop filter I could use for this thing that is uh, ridiculously big and bulky. <laughs> we never see his face again. Never see. It just takes up this, this entire area. But yeah, thanks for letting me know. We always appreciate anyone writing in to provide us any uh, any criticism of the constructive variety. If it's non-constructive, it goes in the trash. No, we take all <laughs> criticism. Uh, other than that, you guys are doing great. I'm excited to see where the story goes next, or rather where it already went next. Predictions, Cesare turns out to be Vittoria's father somehow. Lucia wild. accidentally <laughs> lies herself into becoming the next Empress of Chiliax. Adria secretly has been jacked all this whole time and just forgot. And Niccolo tragically dies from pigeon-related mishap. Aw, pigeons. In any case, happy hunting and thank you for the entertainment. <laughs> uh, Cesare could have had like a one-night stand where he was really drunk. I'm Maybe. really, 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 really drunk. Really <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I think, uh, I think Cesare is very much on the uh, batting yeah. for the other side. He likes the boy, but <laughs> he does like his pretty, pretty. Well, boys. Maybe she if was you, a handsome if woman. Listened, <laughs> yeah. If you've listened to the latest share memory <laughs> with oh, Cesare's shenanigans. <laughs> so, I suppose moving on from there, we do have uh, Anthony, aka Breeder Bubbles, on the Discord. It's a Pokemon thing. I promise. I have no yeah. idea what that means, but all right. <laughs> Breeder uh, bubbles. Who, yeah, who writes in and says, peace, friends, peace. Ah. I haven't gotten to use that phrase in a long time. <laughs> and oh, and Jessica like and I both made weird squealy noises. That was strange. I've been, <laughs> oh, well. It's like a trip down memory road for us. <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast for about six months now. When I started looking into uh, 2E after the whole Wizard of the Coast debacle. Um, That's what I, we're just going to call it, the debacle. The incident, the late unpleasantness. <laughs> the, the late, late unpleasantness. unpleasantness. Started from mid-max until I got caught up with them, tried mm. GCP, and finally got recommended here. Uh, I started, those are also both good suggestions. 
I started on Hell's Rebels and then Mummy's Mask when I got caught up there, and now I'm writing this after the after party right before the final fight. First things first, thank you all for being fantastic entertainment, keeping me from being bored out of my mind at work. Mm. Every episode brings me back to my college weeks playing weekends playing 1E with a group of friends to wind down after a hard week. I mean, that's, that's basically what started us yep. down mm-hmm. this road of doing this podcast. Like Jordan, Rick is slowly becoming the GM voice in the back of my head. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I've only got two questions for you. What is your favorite part about 2E? And what do you like least? Mm. I like that cantrips aren't crappy. That's one of my favorite things about 2E, to be 100% perfectly honest. Favorite parts, okay. I mean, I could say other things, but I think I'm only supposed to say one, because the three-action economy is good. Yeah, as a game master, I think the um, expanding what monsters can have to be much more flavorful, especially for creatures that are not supernatural, is great. I think I always go back, I've never even got a chance to use it, but I think I always go back to the fact that sharks get a breach ability that lets them jump out of water and attack people now, which is one, very flavorful and shark-like, and two, something that really wouldn't have gone with first edition's way of handling animals. Mm. Um, My favorite thing about 2E, I'm going to be real cliche and just say the three-action economy because it's super flexible. Okay. And Shields are stupid. <laughs> Heather doesn't and like Eagle shields. King called it. Shields are stupid and 2E, and I'm going to die on that freaking hill. You're I'm going to die alone. I like them. Uh, oh, man. Um, least favorite part of 2E, it doesn't feel as magical as 1E. Okay. That's the hill I'll die on. Is I feel like magic just isn't as magical. I kind of get where you're coming from, to be like, honest. You don't get I as like many it. spells. The durations aren't as long. Like, I don't know. For me, I think a uh, least favorite part of second edition is um, I there's not an easy way for me to articulate this. In first edition, I felt like hit points were more of a resource and a means of attrition. And in second edition, they made it time because with the mm. medicine mechanic, time is now your only constant thing that you're losing. And as such, I feel like second edition strangely encourages players to quit sooner um, during an adventuring yeah. day than second edition did. It's really weird to do um, like a big so battle and then I guess I'll hang out here for 10 me- minutes, even though there's probably danger in the next room. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. I I mean, I understand that they wanted to get rid of the, OK, we're loaded down with 40 wands of, you know, cure light wounds I because just, they're cheap. Let's sit here and expend this whole expend a whole wand yeah. to heal the party and chunk it over our you know shoulder they as just, we move on. They just subbed one problem for another problem. Yeah. I know they, they, they did. They just but, switched you it know. out for the for the medicine problem, and so I <laughs> I kind of feel like that's where my complaint is is that uh, time as an expendable resource isn't it isn't as interesting I think as just going well the fight's over quick down some potions and cast some healing spells. And then on into the next fight. That end, I will I will die ranting on this hill. So I'm going to start with this one. <laughs> it's not in the books, but the concept that everyone has that in second edition, you um, it's every fight you go into, you have to be at 100% health and that the game is designed for you to be in 100% health. But at no point in the core rulebook does it in fact say that. It is an understanding that the challenge ratings of the creatures are determined based on the party being at 100% health, which is also 100% true for first edition. So I think because in second edition, you feel kind of squishier mm-hmm. that people get that level of paranoia and it goes like, oh, three, three hit points is going to be the difference between life and death for me. When on average, most creatures do a quarter of your hit points per hit. And since there isn't the negative 10 hit points to die, it's just the dying condition. 
being up or down three hit points doesn't actually mechanically make that much of a difference. So, yeah, getting into that whole whole mess right there. Mm-hmm. That being said, there are a lot of things that I love about second edition. I think second edition oh, yeah. is an excellent system. But much like first edition, I can point at first edition and go, here's all the here's all the cracks that I see in the mm-hmm. you know flaws in the system. First edition, a lot of it was just the fact that it was a much easier system to break. But if you don't have players that are trying to actively break the system, usually not as much of a problem. That's true. So continues on to simply say, thanks for the hours of entertainment. You're welcome. Well, thank welcome. you, Anthony. De nada. And then our final email for today, uh, we managed to get through quite a few of them. Um, not all of them, but quite a few, is from Aura. Hey, Aura. Hey. I'm there. Aura writes in and says, cheers, Pathfinders. Cheers. More people cheers. should say cheers. Uh, my name is Aura. Uh, any pronouns are fine. And I'm from the industrial side of Germany. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Ah, Guten Tag. Mm. I found your, I took uh, two years of German back in high school and remember nothing uh, except for <laughs> and I'm probably going to get the pronunciation of this terrible um, Ich bin Ausländer und sprechen nicht zu Deutsch I think is correct you know what I know in German Ich habe Hunger which just means I'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> Ich habe der Hunger and also I curse in German apparently a lot yeah I've, I've missed that a couple of times um, you would think with the time that I spent taking German back in high school <laughs> But I found your podcast on Spotify when it suggested Find the Path by saying you'd like great role play by great people who sit around a virtual table. You might also like this. And there wow. we are. Oh, wow. Thanks, thank Spotify. you, Spotify. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Spotify. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I guess algorithms work because I also did like Find the Path. <laughs> and now I am binge listening to Hell's Rebels. Well, thank you. Huh. Welcome. We appreciate you, Spotify. We've recently actually uh, went through, and I do want to um, express some thanks to our Discord, um, who updated me on the the changes that Patreon, because Patreon is always a challenge, um, mm. has recently done to allow Spotify um, to do personal RSS feeds from Patreon. So oh, if you are a Patreon nice. back, backer and do like Spotify, you can now get your uh, uh, Tyrant's Grass feed over on Spotify. Next year, my Spotify won't just be Stray Kids. It'll also be podcasts that I subscribe to on Patreon. Yes. That's true. It just needs to be Stray Kids, Jessica. Well, I mean, it's mostly Stray Kids. I went on to say, uh, so I started listening to you all seven days ago, and I'm now at Rumor Mill 14. Well, that is a lot of episodes in 14 days. Or in Mm -hmm. seven days. I really wow. hope you don't mind. Or sorry, I really hope you don't impact my work performance. But up until now, nobody seems to have noticed. <laughs> we make no claims. <laughs> yes, yeah. and take no responsibility. We take no responsibility. <laughs> I will start the next of your shows when I come to the inevitable cliffhanger that will only be resolved by waiting. Ah, uh, yeah. That is the challenge with Hell's Rebels for a lot of people. It's mm. that two week wait between things. That was the that was a big problem for a while with Tyrant's Grasp, and Tyrant's Grasp mm. is now a weekly show. Sure. If it's not too much to ask, would you cast the Imperial Lord? Oh, we're doing Arisha? another casting of another Arshia. Imperial Lord. Arshia? I'm going to go with Arshia. Arshia. If you haven't already, uh, if you did, just ignore this part. When I found out about them, they really resonated with me. Uh, description: mm. Arshia is androgynous and has been depicted as both male and female, but in either case, always dressed in many colored veils of gossamer. Indeed, Arshia is of both genders and neither, unhindered by such differences. Arshia has a perfect face, a lithe body, and wings of gray and blue. Their form is seen as ideal by any species that looks upon them, and some claim that those who directly behold Arshia can never be satisfied with mortal beauty again. Man, that's a that's that a, a hell of a <laughs> Yeah. Also, Damn. like, I don't ever want to see them. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. God. Okay. Who are we going to find that's this beautiful? Let's think. Let's think. 
There was How a short story. Think? Okay, good. Heather, let's, let's go. I, <sighs> Rick is Rick is off. There was a podcast <laughs> I listened to that was was doing a review of the short story, and uh, uh, I read through it. Um, I think it's called the Diamond Lens. This guy that makes a lens out of a diamond so he can see a microscopic world and then sees this tiny little like mermaid girl that lives inside of a drop of water and then falls madly in love with her. And then like everyone else, like he goes to like shows and all the rest of that stuff. And like everyone is just hideous and uh, cumbersome compared to this microscopic woman in a drop of water. So that's my short story suggestion that eats up a little bit of time while you guys do some Googling to try to find somebody that would work for this. I'm having a big struggle. Yeah, I'm also having a big struggle. Struggles are big. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why, why suddenly Kate Blanchett out of nowhere? Just, just wondering. <laughs> well, I mean, because Kate Blanchett does have a very, oh. she has a very androgynous look to her. She is beautiful. Um, has uh, extraordinarily like has this phenomenal personality, and uh, again, like I just think she delivers on both uh, both the androgyny of the uh, the character, but also that uh, that pristine, um, almost almost ethereal um, for an imperial lord. This uh, unearthly, uh, unearthlyly beautiful woman. Okay, here's what I've come up with. Um, I don't know if anybody saw it, but there was um, they made Sandman into a Netflix show. And the person, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to type in and talk. Um, the person that played Desire, um, actually, the person who played the Sandman, uh, the person who played Dream <laughs> could also work. Um, but that person's name, uh-oh, where I need the actor. This is so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how much dead air Rick had to edit out during the castings while we all spent like 10 minutes scrolling Mason? through like- Mason Alexander Park. Yes. Although also the person who the, played the Dream chat was work. already ahead of you on that. So what? <laughs> I look away for one moment. They're like, look down here, Jessica, quick. Oh, yes. OK, then, yes, I'm going to steal that from the chat and uh, and pick them. OK, Heather. Uh, I can never pronounce his last name, but Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Chalamet yeah, he's <laughs> he's very pretty. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he looks like an alien. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, you know, like there are people that don't look fully human uh, in a good way, not a bad way. <laughs> it looks like an AI creation that you punched in. It was like androgynously beautiful man. And then he spit out Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> All right. Well, um, those are your at. three options. So I guess uh, I guess we're going to be putting up a poll for those as well. Oh. So uh, go and vote. But uh, I mean, come on, Kate Blanchett. Anyway. All right, here goes Rick back to plugging people again. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's pretty great all the time. I mean, it's true. Also, Charlize <laughs> Theron's pretty great all the time. Charlize Theron is great all of the time. One of my one of my hands down favorite actresses of all time, Charlize Theron. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so thank you all so much for your questions. We do actually we had a lot more emails that we've accumulated over the last uh, couple of months that didn't have questions in them, but that were great that reached out to us. Um, so I did want to go through a couple of those real quick. Um, assuming my voice will hold out because I'm, uh, I'm a little scratchy. It's the season. We also have two questions from the chat that I have collected to our <clears> Q&A <throat> portion. Ah, I see. Uh, real quick, I did want to uh, shout out to uh, Stephen who wrote in to say thanks for uh, editing the podcast so that it's easy for majority listenable for uh, young ears. Uh, mm. Just down the road from y'all over in Tyler um, and oh, have wow. been running Abomination Bolts for my party, which consists of five of my eight kits. Wow. Oh, wow. 
I, I'm sorry about the swearing. <coughs> I, I try. <laughs> that all gets cut. So you say you say five of your eight kids, and all I can ever think of is uh, uh, the first Lord of the Rings movie, where it's like the oh, they're all you have been busy. <laughs> uh, all I can think of is what are the other three doing, and why aren't they playing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too young or too old, are my guess. Mm, you're never, never too, too old. old. Sure. The junior high kids have gotten uh, really excited listening to War for the Crown because uh, Abomination Vault is oh, much wow. more of a go in the hole and kill the bad monsters. Um, <laughs> looks like you got some future role players on your hand. Good for that. Yep. I'm hoping that listening to your game will encourage them to think a little more creatively about the action economy than I'm going to use all of my actions to whack this monster with my weapon. <laughs> uh, I'm about Hell's 25 Rebels episodes is what in. Listen to then. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids are um, alternating between listening to uh, listening with me in the car and trying to catch up while they mess around doing kid stuff at home. Aww. Awesome. Yay. Anyway, I hope uh, one day to uh, actually be a player in a game, but for now, I'm. it's enough to... Uh, run an almost weekly game and listen to yours. Cool. Well, thank you, Steven. Again, you just need to encourage one of those kids to become a game master and then you can finally, you know, hand off the crown <laughs> to someone else. Unless you're uh -huh. like me, I don't want to hand off the crown. Yes. Pavel from uh, Central Europe also wrote in, a uh, little north from uh, Warsaw, yeah. saying, uh, peace, friends, peace as well. So peace, friends to you. Mm-hmm. Your podcast is amazing. I found you a couple months ago, and I'm currently on episode 78, researching the uh, the Spiral Archives back ah, in Mummy's Mask. Mask. Ah, mm. Classic. I really enjoy the story and characters you brought to life, uh, both PCs and NPCs. Listening to you play together is a pleasure. I wish you many successes. Your sound quality is very good, and that is important for someone with English as a second language. Oh, so wow, thank you, Paul Bell. I wish to be as good at a second language as you are. Yeah, yeah, they don't encourage that enough here. Ugh. America. Uh, Jonathan F. wrote in to uh, actually correct me, so I wanted to give a shout out for this one. Oh. Get him. Get him, I was Jonathan. enjoying the audio from your last live after party when I heard something that wasn't quite right. Rick said that the 13th Warrior was based off of Michael Crichton's novel Eaters of the Dead, which was based off of Beowulf. This is only partially true. The Michael Crichton novel is based not only on Beowulf, but also on a 10th century manuscript written by an Arab traveler. Ah. If you're as interested as I am in such things, you can find it on Amazon under the title of Ibn Fadlan and the Land of Darkness. Hmm. That aside, thanks for all of the great content and thank Ross for the cool history of summer reading. My friend and I, whom I share this knowledge with, enjoyed learning about. Keep up the great work. That's So cool. thank you for clarifying that because uh, it is always nice to, to get a little bit more insight. Uh, Eaters of the Dead, still, it's a good novel. Michael Crichton. Leslie Jensen from Denmark wrote in, Basically simply saying that they found our work a few months ago, give or take, uh, looking for a playthrough of Tyrant's Grass because one of the story and unlikely to ever play it again. Uh, mm. hope, hopped on your $1 test tier and was sold within five episodes and have been a Patreon Aww, supporter thank since. thank you. Hey. Uh, that $1 test tier doing its... Uh, gotcha. Again. <laughs> get a little sampler. Get them in. But uh, I've been listening to actual plays for a while, but usually I end up getting tired of them because of play styles, sound issues, or chemistry not being good enough. But with Find mm. the Path, I've discovered a group that never bores me, who have the right blend of humor, character scenes, and forward momentum, as well as a grasp of the rules that makes it all just flow. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, you there's hard. some compliments pertaining towards me. I'm not going to worry about ah, those. Rude? Uh, rude? <laughs> Rick, Rick as a former GM myself, you make me a mixture of proud and envious. Proud because in you, I see the things some of my players tell me. And that's the kind of mirror that's hard to ignore. Envious because I wish I was half as good at juggling player backstories into the weave of the AP as you are. It's a joy to follow your work and to learn from the things you do that I could do better. I've known a lot of good GMs and listened to several more, and you're absolutely in the top three, if not top one, GMs I've had the, the pleasure of observing. 
take the praise, even though it makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> I know how that feels. <laughs> get him, Jess. I got uh, get him. Enough. The rest of the crew, I give you the highest compliment I can. If I could freely choose a table to run for a game, uh, it would be you guys. Aww, you are so good at making fun. characters that are both interesting for who they are and mechanically interesting without being the usual, these abilities are good builds. Mm-hmm. Rachel isn't here, but has apparently, uh, Rachel, you've made me cry more than once. Shame on you for being so good at this <laughs> RP thing. And thank you for the ability to switch between funny and being serious, and I'm entirely sold. Ross, you play the protector so well, characters that are compassionate in their strength, and it's a joy to experience. Jordan, how you managed to both play incredibly serious characters as well as being such a goof all the time. I love uh, all these, all three of the characters you've I've met. Jessica, you have the clearest character voices I've ever run into, even passing several of the trained voice actors, uh, players I've seen. Wow. It's so impressive to hear you play characters like Cypress and Adria who are so different. Heather, the superior one in the group, as the archetype, not in fact superior. <laughs> Cesare and Raven are a major draw in Hell's Rebels for me. Your backstories make me jealous of Rick having you to work with. Oh, thank yeah, you. Nice. That's yep. wild, the, the character voice comment. Um, <laughs> but cool. But take um, it, take yeah, it, Jessica. Thank you exactly. so much. Yeah. No choice. Um, I'm caught up on Hell's Rebels, Tyrant's Grass, and War for the Crown, and I'm going to dive into Mummy's Mess just to keep me company while I work uh, work out and work. I look nice. forward to following you for the long haul. Finally, I'm going to end this on a hope. I hope to see you tackle some other APs, which I could myself um, but wouldn't suit my players. I hope to see mm. your take on Agents of Edgewatts once the police situation has calmed down a little. I, They say hoping it will, I honestly think... We won't get into that side of things, but I think that there needs to be a structural overhaul, and so I would not expect that to really be the case. <laughs> yeah. But most of all, I want to experience Kingmaker through you lot. Um, but we all know that it's going to be Sky King's tomb next. I'm not saying that it is, but... I mean, you're good at guessing, um, and you may or may not be wrong. <laughs> also, they did or are planning to release um, Minotaur as a class you can play, which means I could make... My druid minotaur, who's just a cute cinnamon roll that got lost in a maze once for Kingmaker. That makes me pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> Kingmaker is not on the docket right now. It's but not. It's not. Keep being awesome. Well, you keep being awesome also. You thank you so much. Yes, thank you. But yes, and again, we have so many other amazing emails, but uh, unfortunately, we've kind of run out the clock. So uh, I do want to take, however, a moment to thank Gary, who wrote in with uh, some amazing praise, uh, specifically uh, some good comments pertaining towards Jordan, which was great. Uh, oh. Shane from the Soddenlands, Lisa of the uh, of our Find the Path tier shout out fame. So thank you, Lisa. Uh, that was basically Lisa writing me to tell me, uh, yes, actually, uh, oh, she Eric and uh, Eric Parker. can be shouted out together in our, uh, our Find the Path tier shout outs. Also, they just celebrated their 25th anniversary, um, I think, this yeah. year. So congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Jason of Trollhelm. Bishop the Breaker, uh, which mm. I just really loved that name. So thank you, Bishop. As well as uh, Emery in Hawaii, who's uh, sent us some pictures before of beautiful Hawaii. So uh, ah. always been jealous of, uh, mm. of all the amazing places Emery gets to go. Uh, David from Michigan. Uh, Stephen, who wrote in about converting uh, Mummy's Mask to second edition. So I hope that's going well for mm. you. Uh, Chris Crafty Cake from Oakland. Uh, just love that name. Uh, Jerry from Tacoma. Ed from Charleston. Noah and Thomas from England, uh, Sean from Vire, Max mm. from Firestone, Nick from Washington, Chris from Omaha, Kim, all capitals, mm. Jim from Dongan Hold, and all of the amazing people that have written into us over this last year. Uh, you are all amazing. I'm sorry that we couldn't get to reading all of your emails out, but... Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing this again. Yeah, we. Always, I was talking to Jessica just before this began, where I was mm -hmm. like, we honestly, we need to find a solution for this because... 
I think of anything with the discussion episodes, anything from the after parties, the rumor mills, the postmortems that we're doing previously. What was the idea you came up with, Heather, before we decided to stop uh, doing the recap episodes for War for the Crown? Oh, was it like Lord. War Council or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the War Council. Mm, yeah. yeah, that would have been a good one. I think it's been generally agreed that the thing that we have missed the most has been the reading of the emails. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm kind of wondering if that's because, again, these I took, I edited out some commentary from them that were spoilers for the various adventure paths that we're doing. Um, or at the very least, they're spoilers for people that aren't currently caught up on the um, on every story. Because, again, you might be listening all the way through War for the Crown, but have never listened to Hell's Rebels or haven't had the chance to listen to Tyrant's Grasp yet. So we might just have to find a way to start doing answering emails in addition to we other might, things. We for might the start live workshop after some... Workshop and some ideas. Yep. Yeah, we've we've got a couple of ideas currently bouncing around, but uh, our big focus the last couple of months has been uh, getting ready to uh, to put out the uh, the Dark Moon Vell, um, mm -hmm. which again is coming very shortly. So uh, hopefully all of you will enjoy that as much as we have enjoyed recording it. And let me tell you, there's some great role play. There is some uh, high mm -hmm. tension and drama coming up from that. And sure. if I can say so, a little selfishly myself, there's some really good dwarf facts. Oh my God. Dwarf facts. So much dwarf facts. So if you have not listened to our uh, Dark Moon Vell show yet, that is going to be put up on our uh, Find the Path Presents feed, which is over on uh, Find the Path Presents. If you look that up on any of your podcatchers, you can find that there, which contains all of our Hell's Rebels. But it's basically it is our free to listen to second edition um, channel. So it's a good home for Dark Moon Vale. We're going to put the original run of that on there, and then we're going to switch that over um, so that you can listen to an amazing game where I get to play. Yep. Ross gets to run. Yep. And everyone else makes, as as always, as was repeated so often during these emails, everyone else gets to make the amazing characters that uh, all of my all of my friends are so great at making. Yeah, yeah go and check that out. Didn't we have some we questions? Have two yeah, we do questions. have some questions. I was just getting, I was just getting I, all that. It sounded done. like let's, you were signing off. I'm no, like, no, what no, is no. happening? I'm just, I'm <laughs> no. just plugging the, uh, I'm just plugging the, the show Building coming out soon. So, yeah, it's, we don't often, we don't mention often enough our Hell's Rebels feed. So, uh, everyone, go check out Hell's Rebels. Hell's Rebels is so good, y'all. Yeah, it's true. Uh, all right, so let's so, do some Q and A. Yes, first question is from Mister T, 1976. Uh, uh, Mr. T. You, yes, Mister T. T E A, like drink. Not the pity of the fool kind of tea. All right. Correct. Yes, more of a property. Yes. Um, um, how would you build Cypress in 2E? I'm not going to spend a lot of time answering this, um, but I think I'd probably uh, make her a rogue with a mastermind racket and then take a dedication that gives her divine casting somehow. So maybe like a cleric dedication or something. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good um, way of going about it. I just don't think cleric can pull off Inquisitor. Uh, and there's not really anything else that's equivalent in 2E, so... I mean, I think the war priest, but you're also very lightly armored, so it doesn't really help yeah. as much with the war priest. Uh, yeah. So. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. That's if I was building Cypress in 2E, that's how I would do it. Uh, second question is from Katrin. Um, shout out to Katrin, who has done some awesome fan art that we have put on items in our merch store. Um, awesome. So yeah. You can check those out on the website. Yeah. Go in, um, uh, And also, uh, just to shout out, we have recently put up some new stuff over on the, uh, the merch store. Um, yep. So go check that out. And I think Jess uh, made certain that we now have, because someone did make us uh, aware, mm. I don't have this immediately in front of us, that we did not have uh, polyester free options for a lot of shirts. Because unfortunately, Heather the material, not Heather the player, is not polyester free. Uh, I assume Heather the player is also not poly or is polyester free. but I would hope so, because... <laughs> 
I feel like that would cause issues if Heather I wasn't. is partially polyester. I mean, she's an AI-generated polyester being um, with connections to... Rom? Yes. Far away. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, and thank you, Jessica, for making certain that we now have options on there for anyone yes. needing to avoid polyester. Most shirts have cotton-only options. Uh, not nice. all, because some of them were on things that didn't come with that option, but most yeah. have. Uh, all right. So anyway, from Katrin, um, should I adopt the foster kitty I've got staying with me right now? Yes. I've only got one cat in my collection <laughs> so far, and you all seem to have very advanced collections. I will actually tell you, we were having problems with one of our cats for a little while. Uh, and so we actually bought in a cat sultan. Mm. Is what she calls herself. She's a consultant for cats, the cat sultan. She's Great woman. She's like really a cat good. Whisperer she's type? basically like a cat whisperer yeah. kind of thing. Uh, more or less, she's a cat behaviorist. Like it's not the like cat whisperer. I'm a good. I'm a person that's good with cats. Like she actually has a degree in like animal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going with that. But anyway, long story short, uh, she informed me that you always want a number of cats divisible by the number of people. Because cats do get jealous very easily, even though they don't necessarily show it. Um, so it's like if you're in a household of, uh, it's either divisible or less than. Um, so if you're in a ho household that has like two people, you'll probably want two cats so that the cat can, so, you know, you can have a cat for each person or each person can have a cat. Although if you're by yourself, you don't want two cats because usually like one cat will get jealous of another yeah. cat getting attention. Which is why she was basically like, okay, but apparently it's also fine if they, uh, they're jealous, but also spiteful. So if you have an additional cat, it's okay. So for instance, if it's like that cat's getting attention, but this other cat isn't. So I have, can, I can commiserate with this other cat. <laughs> All of that to say, I was told that if you're a couple, then two or four, but not three. Oh, weird. Was apparently the, uh, the, the argument that uh, she made. So I don't know I've if that helps had, at all, but. I've always had a pair of animals um yeah i had a cat I mean, and a dog once i had two cats i've had two dogs <laughs> now i have way too many animals um but i, I was, have the you know i have the two kittens right now yeah dante and virgil who sometimes cause chaos like their namesakes but anyway <laughs> yeah. my thing is they're already living with you so it seems like you already have them so yeah yeah keep the kitty keep the kitty i will say that um rachel and i tried to foster once <laughs> <laughs> and that is how we had the cat that we had to get the cat sultan for. <laughs> yeah, fostering Unrelated to work the for fostering me. side of things, but no. Um, after a little while, like if if you love the cat, keep the cat. That's that's the real takeaway from it. Mm -hmm. Like yep. if you if you love the cat, if you can if you can take care of the cat, if you can provide this cat with a uh, a, a wonderful home environment, then then keep the cat. Mm -hmm. Kitties. You know, if it is going to be too much of a, a stress on you or if it's going to be too much of a stressful situation for your cat, then find them a better home. Like, I, I judge that you will do what is best for the cat. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, thank you so much. That's it. Those are all the questions. Well, I thought I saw somebody ask if we were switching to the enhanced edition, whatever they're calling. Oh, did I to not eat. see that one? I uh, thought I saw something question? scroll by. Oh, uh, what was your favorite pet photo you saw today? Uh, there was a cute little uh, West... Wesher, Cherry, Wessie, I don't know. A little dog, a little white Charlie. dog. Charlie, very cute. <laughs> yes. Max uh, and Felix uh, are both very cute, but I'm, I, I think I'm partial I, to Felix. I mean, hmm. I liked the kitties. <laughs> yeah, Eagle King uh, did Eagle ask King. if we were switching over to the remaster. Yes, we are. I basically um, am going to probably have to rebuild Cesare from the ground up just because of all the changes to Wizard. So mm. I'm going to try to keep it as close to what I have on his character sheet now but once we make the switch um i don't know rick have you decided when we're making the switch i have uh in fact i've already told you 
Yeah, but I was at the end of uh, what we're doing Yes, now. we were finishing up book two, and then uh, we are switching over at the beginning of book three. Uh, so the party is approaching the end of book two right now in Hell's Rebels, and so once we are done with that, we'll be switching it over to the remastered rule set uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. Really, so there's not gonna... a whole lot of changes, except Mm-mm. for Cesare has a number of them. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to try to keep like what he's trained in and all, and the spells and everything as close to what they are now, but they're, I haven't looked real close because I'm like, oh Lord, I have to rebuild a character from the ground up. But um, there might be some changes like to his stats, to the character itself. No, <laughs> you know, Cesare will still be the same grumpy boy that you all love. At least I hope you love. Anyway. <laughs> well, again, nothing's going to be changing as far as the characters themselves are concerned. Um, you know, other like as far as the characters' personalities or anything like that are concerned. Uh, again, we're moving away from the alignment system, but I think everyone already has a pretty good grasp of who their characters are. And so we don't really consult alignment that too often. Um, you know, we're going to be moving, you know, switching everyone over rules mechanic wise and then uh, doing some updates and all the rest of that to... Uh, uh, basically, I'm allowing a free retraining uh, for anyone that it's just like if this if you want to, you can retrain your character, you can retrain this thing because some of the feats have changed slightly. So it's like if this feat isn't what you want, then you can switch it out for another feat. Um, but honestly, as far as the um, as far as the podcast is concerned, most of you shouldn't even notice that there was a transition to this difference other than the fact that I'm going to try to remember to say off guard instead of flat footed. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be trying to break yeah, 15 20 years, years of yeah, training 20, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus. So uh, that's probably going to take a little bit of time, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And Cesare was a universalist. So that doesn't really matter now though. So <laughs> um, is there a way I can change my Patreon name to match my discord or Twitch name? I, probably. I don't know. I would assume so. I don't know. Um, Patreon's a little bit of a cumbersome beast. Actually, no, I do know that you can because I changed my Patreon name at one point. Yeah, so there is a way to change it. Yeah, somewhere in your profile there. Um, All right. I didn't see any other questions that I missed. All right. By well definition. <laughs> so uh, I'm unaware one way or the other. So again, thank you all. Um, and I maybe should have even mentioned this a little bit earlier. But uh, again, if you've really enjoyed listening to... Uh, to us go through emails, have these email discussions, uh, being able to participate a little bit yourselves. Um, let us know, either here on the social medias, on the Discord, anything else like that. Um, if it's something that you think would be an interesting addition to actually keep up with the live shows, because I always enjoy when we get these emails in, and I read every email that we get in, and I'll usually forward on to the rest of the group. And then between editing and recording and everything else that we do, um, I'm sometimes uh, notoriously bad about actually responding back to them in a timely manner. And so having something like this where we could, uh, you could write in emails, we could discuss the emails, we could discuss uh, all that in a, uh, a timely manner, I think would be uh, fun and engaging. And so if you agree with that, please let us know. Um, if you think that we should have some sort of a, a discussion episode, which again, we kind of hinted at a little bit earlier that that is something that uh, we're maybe exploring a few ideas on that. If you miss the way that we used to do things, uh, please let us know as well. Um, it'll be difficult to figure out a way to do it, but we could. Yeah. Close. Uh, we're all very clever people here. Um, yeah, but other than that, and again, feel free to go over on our uh, Discord once Heather puts up those uh, those. Polls I and, poll. uh, After, and I have two. to remember how to once, do that. Yeah, it's once Heather Googles while. how to do those polls again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like slash poll. It's up either later today or tomorrow, I'm sure. I'll get them done by the weekend. All right. It is and the weekend. And we, we hope that all of you have enjoyed this. Um, I do want to take the opportunity just because um, I know that we do often 
uh, thank all of our all of our patrons, everyone. But I do want to take the opportunity to just thank everyone that listens. Uh, you are all amazing. Receiving these emails is amazing. The greatest thing I personally feel like from starting this podcast, from running this podcast, part of the reason that I encourage so many people that are interested in starting a podcast to give it a try, to throw it out there, is building these communities, building these um, these friendships with people, building this um, environment of um, creative energy and acceptance between everyone that listens to the show is so important to us. It is so fulfilling, to be perfectly honest. And so that only exists because of all of you. So if you are Obviously, those of you who are listening right now, obviously anyone who is hearing this uh, is listening. So for all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this adventure. 2023 has had its struggles as far as uh, um, every year for the last, uh, I don't know, 15,000 years or something like that has had its struggles across all of human history. Uh, But for us here at Find the Path, 2023 has been a wonderful year of great stories. And we are going to be going into 2024. Um, and I know I'm always hyping, but let me just say, like, this next part of War for the Crown, mm, mm, chef's kiss. Uh, Tyrant's oh. Grass right now, finishing up um, uh, book four, getting into book five. Uh, book five, by the way, Luis Loza book. I'm so, ready for um, five. I've, you know, Luis has been waiting for us to get to that for a long, long time. So we're <laughs> finally getting there. Um, and Hell's Rebels, like, really starts to shift in my mind into the uh, uh not to worry my players too much but uh uh the second part of the trilogy really starts to shift into that empire strikes back phase so oh uh, i'm very much looking forward to moving forward in uh, in hell's rebels mm. which we're going to be doing in next year so oh, thank you all and- for joining us and we're doing something new and different in War for the Crown soon, so that's cool. It mm-hmm. is true. We are doing something new and experimental that you'll be experiencing here uh, towards the end of this year uh, for War for the Crown. So um, I'm really interested in seeing everyone's yeah. feedback on this. Like, this yes. is one of the most... Um, I can't think of another podcast I've ever heard try to do this. So um, I'm yes. very interested in seeing how this plays. So definitely check in if you're not caught up on, uh, on War for the Crown. Um, definitely check back in with that once we uh, the gala is nearly complete and once the gala is, is you done you mean the jubilee the, the gala jubilee, is over the jubilee yes. the jubilee the gala the gala. God is done uh, yes it ended very badly um, it's true. maybe the maybe the jubilee does too you'll have to tune in to find out <laughs> um, yes the gala never really ends oh no but if I could say that in the uh, uh, was it John Delancey yeah the trial never ends cue to Picard oh. anyway um, yeah thank you all so much for uh, for joining us this year and tune in next year for even more um, I'm going to say just phenomenal story don't, don't be terrified of the war for the crown shenanigans. yeah it's okay? not bad prom- it's, it's interesting it's not bad it should be fun <laughs> it's just don't different. be scared it's just different yep I mean there are shenanigans but they're not terrifying hopefully <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, experimental I and I'm it's very interested. Yeah, yeah. I'm very <laughs> interested to see whether or not people. Um, I'm really interested to see what the fan feedback on it is. I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see whether or not it is something that people are more interested in seeing us occasionally dip our toes into going forward. So yes. yeah, please check in, uh, see whether or not you like that. And um, until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Good luck, everybody. Ah, good times. Ah, man. Um, Turnips. Um, Sure, but consider I'm always worried about our little nobles. (laughs) 